The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. This morning we're talking about Get to Work. That's the title of our sermon, Get to Work. And we're going to be reading out of Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the Lord's been taking us through the book of Ephesians to kind of understand this idea of this messy church and how we all fit together. We talked about our identity in Christ, that, uh, that we are children of God. We talked about our unity and that we have responsibility in this room for, towards the unity of the church. Um, and today we're talking about uh, getting to work. So if you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 through 16. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there might be some under your seats. You can take that with you. That's our gift to you. Or you can use your smartphone. Or if someone near you is, is using a Bible, you can sit really uncomfortably close to them, breathe on their neck, and read along with them. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Amen. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather... Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. And Lord, we ask that you would speak clearly to us this morning. We need your wisdom. We need your understanding. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start by looking there in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look at a gift that God has given the church. Are you ready? Here we go. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So a gift to the church are the leaders in the church. They're the leaders and the teachers of the church. That's a gift that God has given his church. And, and, and as a leader of the church, I want to go ahead and apologize. Um, we're not the best gift all the time, but hey, a gift is a gift, right? Now, why are these leaders a gift to the church? What value do they bring? Keep reading. Look in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. This is their value to equip you for the work of their ministry. Now, hang on a second, because in that, there's a, this groundbreaking idea, this, this earth-shattering revelation. Are you ready? Here it is. The work of the ministry belongs to the saints. That's what this is revealing to us. It says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry belongs to the saints. Who are the saints? Who are the saints? They're you. Are you a follower of Jesus? Then you are the saint. The work of the ministry belongs to you. It doesn't belong alone to the evangelists. It doesn't belong alone to the pastors, to the teachers, to the leaders, to the elders. It belongs to you. The responsibility of the work of the ministry belongs to you. And you might say, you know what? I've only been a believer a short time. The work of the, uh, the responsibility of the work of the ministry belongs to you. You know what? I haven't really been trained. I know you've like gone to school for it and different stuff like that. I don't 
don't know the Bible very well, the work of the ministry that belongs to you if you are a saint. Now, what is the work of the ministry? Look there in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. There it is, for building up the body of Christ. That's the work of the ministry. Now, I want to stop and make an observation really quick. It says that you're being equipped to help build up the body of Christ. This reveals two things. One, that you need the body. You need the body. You know, equip implies that you're what? That you're lacking something. And so when you are a part of the body of Christ, you are being equipped. Where you are lacking, the body is going to equip you. You need the body of Christ. This is not some club that we can come and, and be a part of. It's not some, uh, some club that we just show our membership card every now and then. You're a Christian? I'm a Christian? Cool. Excellent. Uh, let's go listen to Caleb together. Like, that's not how this, this works. We need one another. We are are lacking, and that's by God's design, right? That he's called us together. We aren't meant to be Lone Ranger Christians. That's not a real thing. And so we need the body. But here's the other thing. The body needs you. You are an, are an indispensable part of the lives of, of the believers around you. The body needs you. And you say, you don't know who I am. You don't know where I came from. The body needs you. You, I know that Jesus called you into himself. Therefore, the body needs you. It's, it's incredible as you think about the human body and we think about how all these different things that are happening in our body at once. You think about the brain processing 750 million signals from inside and outside the body every second. And you think about an average 50 million cells form in the body every second while 50 million die off every second. The heart circulates all the blood in the body in 60 seconds, constantly in 60 seconds. In one minute, all of the blood will have circulated through your entire body. Every time you breathe, 300 million sacs in the lungs take air in, opening and closing, and that's happening every time you breathe. It's incredible what our bodies are doing all the time when we see the intricacies of what God has designed. Now, here's the thing. What if one of those pieces malfunctions? What if the brain doesn't do what it's supposed to do? That's, that's a stroke. What if the heart doesn't circulate the blood like it's supposed to circulate? It's a heart attack, right? There, there's disastrous results when one part of the body doesn't work for the rest of the body. The body needs you. We need you. As much as, as much as you might feel like you're not important, as much as you feel like, you know what, I'm just going to sit over here. I like to listen to the music and, and then I, I, I bear the sermon pretty well, right? Like I, I just want to do my thing. We need you. We hurt without you. This is God's design. So what does building up of the body mean? We understand how essential it is that we belong to the body together, that we need one another. So what does it mean to build up the, the body of Christ? We need to be clear because clear expectations are incredibly important. Without clear expectations, like disastrous results, right? When I was in college, I worked in the alumni office uh, and on my campus. It was kind of a they did a thing. It was, I think it was part of like a scholarship thing that I probably lost at some point. Uh, but, but it was, uh, I had to work in the alumni office and all I did all day was I took, uh, alumni would send in their, their information and I would enter it into a computer. That's about it. That's about it. All right. Like every now and then they would let me mail packages. And that was like the most exciting part of my job. After about three weeks, uh, I remember calling my dad and I was like, dad, look, I know this is expensive. I know school is expensive. Um, if I don't quit this job, 
Um, I'm going to leave uh, school, possibly the country. I don't know. Like, I can't take this anymore. But I remember one day uh, I, I, I had a problem, I had a conflict at that job, and it was over expectations. I remember we got this huge, like, roll of bubble wrap, like, because we were sending a bunch of packages to alumni, this huge roll of bubble wrap. And I went to my boss, and, and I said, uh, what do you want me to do with this bubble wrap? And he just very casually said, uh, uh, just pop it in the corner over there. Now, poor choice of words on his part, uh, because I kind of got my wires crossed. However, I had the best three hours of work in my entire life, right? Also my last day. But it was really, it was really a great day. Expectations are important. We need to be very, very clear. So we need to be clear. What does it mean to build up the body of Christ? What are the responsibilities? And God makes it clear what the responsibilities are within building up the body of Christ. Look there in verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Here we go. This is what it looks like. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waters and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So you are responsible. You ready? You are responsible for the unity of faith and knowledge in the body. And that means that we as a church have unity and agreement in what we know and understand about God. And you know what? This sounds like a pastor's job. This sounds like something like, this sounds like if you had to write out my job description, this might be in it. The unity of faith and knowledge in the body. That we have a clear understanding and agreement on what the Bible reveals about God. And yet, this is part of building up the body of Christ. This, this is something that you're responsible for as well. You're responsible for the maturity of other believers in the body. It says to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That believers within the body grow up to be more like Jesus. You have responsibility. I know that sounds like that's an elder job. That's what elders are there for. That's what Sunday school teachers are there for. And they are, that's true. But that's also what you're there for. You are responsible for the maturity of the believers in the body around you. And you're also responsible for the spiritual well-being of the believers. Look there in verse 14. So we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Bad doctrine or a bad understanding of God harms believers. It harms all people, but it can, it can harm believers as well. And look at the language it uses here. So we're no longer children. So we're no longer tossed to and fro by waves. So we're no longer carried about by every wind. What does that show? That's helplessness. That's showing being a victim. It's a picture of peril. It's a picture of danger. And you have a responsibility for the spiritual well-being of the people around you. It's an incredible job. And you might say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who are you talking to right now? All right, like I am just a church member or you know what? I don't, I don't belong to this church. Like I am, I'm a Christian and everything, but you know, why in the world are you telling me that's my job? That's my responsibility. Is there any way I can possibly do this? Is there any way that I can actually make the Lord happy here? Like I'm going to fail. I can't do this work. This is ridiculous. The job's too big for me. It reminds me of recently, uh, I, I don't mow my lawn until I can't see my great Dane anymore. Like that's pretty much how I do my my grass. And so it was finally at that point 
And I got out there to mow my lawn and my six-year-old, he said, let's go jump on the trampoline. I was like, son, I would love to jump on the trampoline right now. But I feel like every weekend, as soon as I touch the lawnmower, I jump on the trampoline and now uh, we have lost uh, our car. So I've got to start mowing uh, and looking for our car. And so uh, as I started to do that, he said, he said, do it later. And I said, son, I can't do it later. I'm busy later. I got to do it now. And he says, I'll do it later. And then at that point, I was like, could he? You know what I mean? Like, I was like, that would be great. This would be fantastic. Like, is it, is that legal? Like, he's six years old. Can I, can I do this? And so as I'm trying to figure out, I have my son, as I'm trying to figure out if he's tall enough or not, my wife comes out. And I'm like, she's it. It's the cops. Let's get out of here. And uh, so we didn't follow through with that plan. It was ridiculous. It's too much for him. The job is too much for him. He can't handle it yet, but... Seven years old is coming. So when you look at building up the body of Christ, so being responsible for the unity of faith and knowledge in the body, the maturity of the believers around you, the spiritual well-being of the believers around you, that is a crazy job. That's a crazy task. Is that, could we possibly do that? Well, good news, good news. You can do it, and here's why. Because you're gifted. You're gifted. Now, I don't mean you're gifted like, you know, when your mom like pulls you aside and she's like, I don't care what those report cards say. You're gifted. Your mom said that, right? She said that to you? Wasn't just me? Okay, anyway, like you're gifted and you're gifted with leaders who are equipping you. You're gifted with leaders who are equipping you. We see there in verse 11 and 12, the very first verses we started with. It says that they are there for what? To equip the saints. That's why coming here, coming to worship is important. You get equipped. That's why Bible study is important. You're equipped. That's why being taught is important. You get equipped. And we live in an incredible time, right? We live in an incredible time where you can pull out your phone right now and have instant access to incredible pastors and teachers and theologians and authors and speakers. You can constantly be trained. We have no excuses to not constantly be learning and constantly being equipped by great spiritual leaders. And, and that's, why, that's why reading is so important. Like I, I have a question for you, please don't answer out loud, but what are you reading right now? What are you reading right now that challenges your faith, that's, that's, that's equipping you to serve the body of Christ better? What are you reading? And if you say, well, I don't know. There's, I don't know a lot of books. I looked this up, okay? On the Amazon Kindle library, there are 92,367 books marked Christian living. Now, I'm not saying all of those are worth reading. Like, like I, I, I know all of those aren't worth, like some of them are like how to pray with your cat, right? Like I know some of those aren't worth reading. How to pray with your dog? Maybe. But, but like, I know that they aren't, aren't all worth reading. But that also tells me that there are a lot of them worth reading. There are a lot of good resources out there for you to be equipped. So God's gifted you with that. You're also gifted, you're also gifted personally from God. Look at verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. God has uniquely gifted you for the work that he's called you Two, if you look at Romans 12, 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. You are uniquely gifted by God to serve in his body in a special way. You're uniquely gifted by God to serve in his body in a special way. And you say, I don't, you know what? I, I, hear, I hear Annie and Christian up here singing and, and I can't do that or, or, or just thinking about standing on the stage and preaching, like I just, I just start to have a panic attack or, you know, like I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not so good or like I, I'm not gonna be like an usher or anything like that. I don't know how I, no, 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 listen, listen. 
You are uniquely gifted by God to serve in his church. You're uniquely gifted. God has given you unique passions and talents and all kinds of things. And all of those things, they might not be marked spiritual gifts in the traditional sense, but they are gifts God's given you that he wants you to use in his service. You've been gifted. Can you do the work of building up the body of Christ? Yes, he's gifted you with leaders to equip you and resources to equip you. And he's also gifted gifted you personally to do his work. He's not going to call you to do something you can't possibly do. What do you think he's doing? Just calling you to do something you can possibly do and then just laugh at you like, hey, it's hilarious, right? Like he's not doing that. He's gifted you for his work. So how do we do the work? How do we build up the body in love? And you would think for such an important task, there would be like a, a really long list of what we need to do. But just, just recently, we had a toilet upstairs that was running, um, and it was running for, I don't know, anybody else had a toilet at home that they had like a, a screwdriver jammed in the top, like keeping the lever up so it doesn't, it doesn't run? Yeah, me either. So uh, we, we had that for a while, and I stopped at Lowe's on my way home, and I bought all of the inside of the toilet. Like, I was like, I'm going to just replace everything that's in the tank. And so then, like, I get home, and I unfold the, uh, I start unfolding the instructions, and then, like, they're about the the length of my toddlers, right? Like they're just absolutely crazy long. And then eventually I, I start looking up on YouTube, like how do I do this? Till finally I just called my wife and children in and I said, family meeting, I have an announcement. We're an outhouse family now, all right? So just go ahead and make whatever adjustments you need to make, but we go outside from now on, all right? And, and it was just incredibly complicated for something so simple. And so for something so complicated, I would imagine I would need a master's degree or a doctorate or something like that uh, to figure it out. But look here in verse 15, the Lord's been so kind to us and he's really made this simple, not necessarily simple for us to do, but it's simple. Look at verse 15, rather, Speaking the truth in love. If you write into your Bible or if you, like to, if you like to highlight things on your smartphone or whatever, that's what you need to do. Rather, speaking the truth in love. We're to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Speaking the truth in love. You know, when I've heard this said before, and, I've, and, and people use it a lot, usually what I hear it referring to is like saying something difficult to somebody, but like being nice about it, Right? And that's not necessarily untrue, but, but that's usually the only way I've understood it is like if someone gets a bad haircut, you know, like telling them that they look like Chewbacca lost a fight with a weed whacker, but being like nice about it, right? But you still got nice eyes, right? Like that's speaking the truth in love. Or someone's bad at something and telling them how terrible they are, but like, but be real nice about it. Like give them a hug, right? I always thought that's what it was talking about. But the context here, what's the context? It's talking about people being tossed to and fro by bad doctrine, by bad understandings about who God is and how we relate to God. So the context reveals that the truth here is true doctrine, instruction, and information about God. That's what it's saying. So speak true doctrine, true instruction, true information about God. Tell people what God is like. Tell people what does it really mean to know him. That's the truth that we're talking about. You want to build up the body of Christ? Then speak this truth to people and do it in love. So what does that look like? Are we traveling seminary professors that are constantly just walking around going, excuse me, if I could have a moment, I'd like to instruct you in doctrine. Like, is that what it looks like? Is that what we're supposed to be doing? I don't think so at all. Let me give you some, some real life examples of people speaking the truth in love to me and other people. One, 
On Tuesday nights uh, from 6 to 7, we got a group of people that come in here and, and, and we pray for our church and you're absolutely welcome uh, to come be a part of that. And, and as we meet and pray, um, that during that time, people start telling testimonies of what God's been doing in their lives. And they just start, and we, we start our time um, reading a scripture, talking about how thankful we are, what God reveals to himself about us. And then we just give, we just give thanks to God and we just start bragging on God. We just start telling good things that God's been doing and incredible things God's been doing. What is that? They're telling me the truth about God. They're speaking the truth of God to me. They're telling me how he's provided for them. They're telling me how he's kept his promises to them. They're telling me how he's been faithful to them. You know what that does for me? That builds me up. That makes me love him more. It makes me trust him more. So what are they doing? They're telling me the truth in love in that moment, just through their testimony, just telling me about their life with God. Uh, thinking, about, thinking about Coach Owen, if you know Coach Owen uh, uh, dealing with cancer right now, watching the way he and his wife Lynn are dealing with that and the way that they suffer and, and seeing how, how God's been so faithful to them and seeing the joy and the peace that they have in the middle of, of this incredibly dark storm. What are they doing to me when they do that? They're showing me the truth. They're telling me the truth. That this is a difficult situation, and yet even this is light and momentary compared to what God is doing and will do for us. They're telling me the truth. They didn't pull me aside and say, here, let me, let me open the scripture. Let me show you this right here. And yet they're telling me the truth in the way that they live. Spending time with students, you know, it's, one of, it's just an incredible time like this weekend. Spending that time with these students and listening to their issues and then revealing to them biblical wisdom, like giving them advice based on biblical wisdom or being an example of them to follow. That's telling them the truth about God, about what God requires of us. Close friends who challenge my attitudes and actions with God's wisdom. That's telling someone the truth. That's revealing the truth of God. Or eating lunch, you know, we, uh, on, on Wednesdays uh, for a time I was eating lunch with some elders from our church and spending time with those men and listening to those men who have loved the Lord much longer than I have and know the Lord much better than I do, listening to them talk about how they honor their wives and how they serve their children children. They were speaking the truth about God to me. It built me up as a believer in Christ or visiting someone going through a difficult time in their life, going and visiting someone in the hospital or or loving somebody who's just suffered a loss. What are you doing? You're revealing the truth about God, that God deeply cares for them, that they aren't alone, that God has gifted them with people who are there for them. You're revealing the truth. And you know what? That doesn't That doesn't sound so nebulous, does it? That doesn't sound so out there. That doesn't sound so like, well, I can't do that. There's not a person in this room that can't do those things I just said. There's not a person in this room who can't participate in revealing the truth of God to others like that. There's not a person in this room. We absolutely can speak the truth in love. But if it's so simple, what prevents us from doing it? I mean, that seems so simple. What in the world prevents us from doing it more? Why aren't we encouraging one another more with testimonies of, of, of real life graces of God? Why aren't we revealing godly wisdom more to people who need it? Well, to speak the truth in love requires two things. If you're taking notes or whatever, here they are. You need to write these down. One is connection. It requires connection. Look at verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. We can't speak the truth if we aren't connected to one another. Are you 
connected. I'm not just talking about the people, the people you rode to church with today. I mean, are the people around you, the other believers in your world, in your sphere of influence, are you really connected to them? Are you connected to a believer who's behind you in the faith that you can help along and encourage? Are you connected to a believers who are in the same place in life that you're in and you can mutually encourage one another and help one another? Are you connected to those who have been there before you asking for their godly wisdom and their experience? Are you connected to those around you who are celebrating? Are you connected to those around you who are hurting? Are you really, really connected? I'm not talking about you coming here and you you shake the same people's hands and you know everybody's names. I mean, are you really deeply and, and, and significantly connected to the people in the church? Because if we want to speak the truth in love and help build up the body of Christ, we have to have real connections. We can't have this false connection like my culture and my generation specifically, we have an online world where we have, we've substituted true connection for false connection. And we believe that because we post pictures of our babies and, and I click like, or I did a comment with three weird emojis that we're connected and you know what's going on in my life. And that may be true, but, but for the most part, it's not. And so are you really, really connected? Are there people in your life who really know you and you really know them, other believers? Are you really connected? Because God has gifted you and he's, he's given you influence and he's given you talents and he's given you specific personality and a bent towards things so that you can forge these connections. He's made us to connect. I mean, and let's just be honest, building a connection with people can be difficult. And maybe that's why we don't do it. It's really difficult. And remember that love is the key. Speak the truth in what? In love. Love is the key to being connected to people. Remember, as you forge that connection, love doesn't insist on its own way. It's considerate. And so love is flexible and love bends to make connections with other people. So I challenge you. Can I give you a challenge today? I challenge you to get connected. Be uncomfortable this week and connect with people this week. Invite someone to your home. Ask someone to lunch or to dinner, even today. Some, maybe someone you don't know, maybe someone you, you know only on a, on a, on a, a friendly, like, like an acquaintance or whatever. I remember my wife and I went down to Destin, Florida um, with, uh, with a group of people here from the church many years ago. Um, and it was, the, it was a senior adult trip. And so Angela, uh, I believe, was pregnant at the time. I think she was pregnant with our first child at the time. And we went down to Florida and we had a great time. You know what happened? Every night, the couples on that trip would bring us out to dinner. And you know what? Those people who brought us out, there's like this immediate like bond. You want to spend time with me? I'm sure it wasn't very comfortable to say, hey, uh, you young guy and uh, your incredibly pregnant wife, you want to go eat lobster? Like that probably, like they probably would rather have just hung out with their, the people they normally knew, but they took us out and there was this connection that was made and, and there were special connections that were made. There's still trust between me and some of those people because of those moments. Make those connections. Call someone this week. Attend a Bible study this week if you're not involved in one. Attend the prayer meeting Tuesday night. Make those connections. And to speak the truth in love, we have to be connected. But it also requires something else. And not only requires connection, it requires work. Look there in verse 16. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, we're connected, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So you're connected, but are you putting the work in 
on your relationships. Relationships are work because, I mean, people are different. I mean, it's never been clearer than that probably now in our current political climate. People are incredibly different. And you don't have to look far. You can look at men and women are incredibly different. Think about it. Women, for example, have a number of faults. Men only have two, everything they say and everything they do, right? So... We're incredibly different. That's for you. We're incredibly different. And so we have to work on our relationships because those differences can cause tension. And also it's, it's difficult to keep that connection and, and there's work to be done because people are messy. We all have our idiosyncrasies. We all have the things that make us different and weird and, and we all have different baggage and things. This weekend, uh, we were talking about fears. We we're talking about listening to, trying to reject the, the chatter of the enemy and, and one of the voices was the voice of fear. Um, and so we asked him, what are your greatest fears? And we heard kind of the normal things. We heard uh, spiders, snakes. Uh, we heard heights. We heard clowns. Uh, and then all of a sudden, out of the, out of the crowd, like, like it was a completely normal thing to be afraid of, she just shouts out, whales! And we just go, what? And she goes, whales! And I said, have you like encountered a lot of whales? And she goes, no, but they're huge. I don't want to. And I was like, that's like a real fear of you. She goes, oh yeah, absolutely. Huge fear, whales. And so you know what? I don't know what that girl has done in her life. I don't know what she has seen, but apparently it's something you don't come back from regarding whales, right? And, and so people are messy. People have their baggage. And so you start to get to know people and, and you start to see that messiness, you start to see those edges and see those difficulties. But for us to do the work of the ministry, which by the way, you are called to do, that is what you are here for, to build up the body of Christ. And we have to speak the truth to one another in love. And to do that, we have to be connected and to stay connected, we gotta do the work. We gotta do the work. We have to connect even though we're different. A friend of mine revealed to me at one point, he said, interest is a choice. And I thought, this is one of many dumb things he said to me. And yet I think that this is actually true. You know, he's, he's displayed that to me. Uh, he's a really great friend of mine. He doesn't care about sports at all. He doesn't sport, uh, but he knows that I care about sports. And so if I start talking about, I remember we went to a, uh, we went to a Titans game in Nashville um, and uh, he and his wife were so kind and they were showing interest. Did they care? No. And you know how I know they, don't, they didn't really care about it? Because towards the end of the game, his wife was sound asleep, just sound asleep, just a bunch of drunk people around her, right? You know, like just having a good old time screaming or whatever. And she's just... Hmm. Right, so uh, so uh, you know, so we left her there, and we went and had dinner. But anyway, uh, but they were there, and they like learned about the team. They learned about the game. He looked up things about the team, so we could have a conversation about it. Like he showed interest in me. He chose to do the work for our relationship. This same guy, he volunteers with our student ministry. And uh, he does not basketball well either. And so, but he tries. He get out there and he just, he tries really hard. Why? Because they're interested in it. So I'm gonna do the work for this relationship. We have to continue to connect even though we're different and even though we're messy. When we start to get to know one another and, and you, you, you start to, to really reveal yourself to people and people reveal themselves to you, what if they turn out to be needy? What if they turn out to be damaged? What if they turn out to have a terrible fear of whales? What if they turn out to be really angry people? What, what if that, what if we disagree on politics? What if we disagree on this? What about all these things? You do the work to stay connected so that 
you can speak the truth in love so that you can build them up uh, for the benefit of Jesus. And of course, love is the key. Love is patient. Love endures the differences and difficulties of others for the sake of Christ to speak truth in love. Love is kind. Love chooses to do good for those, the, the people who are the hardest to do good for. Why? So that they can speak the truth in love and build them up for the work of Christ. And so again, the work is not, it's not just staying connected. It's not just doing that work. But it, again, it's speaking that truth. In other words, do your relationships, relationships you have, is it, just, is it just about love or is it about the truth as well? Are you speaking the truth or are they like shallow relationships? Sometimes that means that we have to say difficult things. But that's your job, to speak the truth. Sometimes it's sharing an experience of God with someone and it's way more comfortable to go have lunch today and to talk about sports and weather and politics and other things that don't matter and to leave out God. But no, we are to speak the truth, to share the truth of God with people. So do the work, do the work in our relationships to stay connected so that we can speak the truth and love the people and build one another up. So as we close, the band's going to come back up and As we close, I want to say to you, church, you, you are the ones that the work of the ministry falls on. And and I'm with you in that. We are the ones that the work of the ministry falls on. To build up the body of Christ, it's our responsibility. And we do that through speaking the truth in love. So are you connected? Are you connected? What can you do this week to connect more? Again, is there a Bible study you can get involved in? Is it prayer meeting you can get involved in? Can you take someone to lunch today or to dinner this week? Or is there a phone call you need to make? Is there a relationship you need to reach out and, and, and do some work on? What can you do this week to connect more? And second, are you doing the work of making your relationships matter? Are you doing the work of staying connected? Are you doing the work of telling the truth, of, of testifying about God in these relationships? Because if we do, what happens? God will build up his body to mature manhood. We will be more like Jesus. And I, I have to believe that a room filled with believers, that's all we want, to be more like Jesus. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you would call us to do your work. That's just crazy to me. I thank you, Lord, that um, though we are ill-equipped, you have gifted us with teachers and helpers to equip us. And you've gifted us personally. You haven't called us to to do a work that you haven't equipped us to do. And so, God, I pray we would... We would take responsibility. We would take it very seriously, the work of the ministry. That we wouldn't walk out of here and go, someone else is going to do it. The preachers will do it. Those volunteers will do it. Other people. It doesn't matter if I'm involved or not. Lord, may we walk out of here convinced of the truth. That the work of the ministry, the building up of the body of Christ is as much my responsibility as it is anyone else's. It is our responsibility. It's the work you've given us to. It's the work you've called our lives to. So God, may we walk out of here with that, with that, that conviction today. And Lord, would you give us wisdom? Would you give us wisdom to know how, how do we speak that truth? 
How do you want us to live in front of our family and our friends to reveal the truth about you? And how do we get more connected? The enemy just constantly divides, 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 divides. How do we get more connected so that we can do the work of the ministry and build up the body of Christ by speaking the truth in love? Give us wisdom. How do we connect? Maybe, Lord, even right now, could I ask you this for, this for you, Lord, from you, Lord? Maybe even right now, would you put in our minds the face of somebody or the name of a family or, or, or somebody that you want us to connect with or put in our minds the avenue you want us to, to, to take to connect? And then, Lord, also, would you give us the courage and the ambition to do the work it takes to lovingly stay connected to one another so that we can do the work of the ministry, so we can build one another up, so that no one walks through anything in this life alone. Lord, would you help us? Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice for us. Thank you, Lord, for calling us together. My prayer this morning as we respond in song is that um, you'd be pleased. And my prayer also is that Uh, we would respond as we need to. Lord, we'd have the courage. If we need to surrender our lives to you this morning, we need to ask your forgiveness. We need to surrender to you, follow you this morning, that we would. During this song, we would. We would talk to you. We'd make that decision. Lord, if there are things, Christian talked about confession, if there are things we need to let go of, we need to repent of, pray that we would. Holy Spirit, just move in this place, do incredible things for for your fame and for our joy in you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.